I had a shorter section of scripture planned, but then as I read, I saw that there was a lot to be gained by expanding it. So the scripture reading this morning is fairly long. It's almost the whole of chapter 12 of Acts. Beginning at verse 1. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with the approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. The angel said to him, put on your... Put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing, that what, that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the door entrance, and the servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that she ran back without opening the door and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door, they saw him. They were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. He had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon. They now joined together and sought an audience with him. After securing the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robe, sat on the throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, This is the voice of a god, not a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God continued to spread and flourish. So the reason I chose to extend the reading, is, I love the story of Rhoda. 
You know, she comes to the door. She's so excited she doesn't even open the door. Um, it reminds me of when I was a kid, our house was struck by lightning, and the woman uh, from up the hill ran down the hill and said, your house is on fire. Uh, knocked on the door and said, your house is on fire. My mother said, thank you, and turned away. And th- <laughs> Poor Rhoda. Then she goes back and tells the people, Peter's here. I'm like, you're, you're nuts. There's no way he's here. He's in prison, remember? And then she might have said, but aren't we praying for his release? Isn't that why we're gathered here? I love that story because it's funny. But there's, there's more to this story, and we have to look at the part before it and the part after to get what Luke is trying to do uh, through the, the whole of this chapter and what he's doing is pointing out that there is a battle going on always between the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of this world. Herod wanted to be in charge. He didn't care if that meant that he killed the people of God. He didn't care if people thought he was a god. In fact, Josephus, the um, Jewish historian who was not a Christian but who wrote the same uh, period of his, wrote about the same period of history, wrote that Herod was actually wearing a very shiny suit, a shiny suit that looked like gold or silver that made him look very, very important. And he was trying to go for this God thing. And then when the people said, you're God, he liked it. And God said, no, you're not. So as we live as kingdom people in this world, just like the people that we read about in the book of Acts, we need to realize that the church is under attack. We cannot expect people to understand us. We can't expect people who don't understand who Jesus is to support what we're saying. And we have to be ready Jesus said, Jesus himself said, in this world you will have trouble. We have to be ready for trouble. We have to be ready to be misunderstood. We have to be ready to be hated. And around the world and throughout history, there have been many within the church who have had to be ready to be executed. The governments of this world have power. And there are many, even among us, who put a whole lot of hope in the power of the government, in the power of the government government to bring protection, provision. And sometimes, we let even in our own minds the role of the government usurp the correct role of God in the world. We put our hope there. But that is not the right place. Don't make anything other than God to be God. Now, the problem is governments are pretty strong, pretty powerful, right? Herod was powerful enough to um, kill James and then imprison Peter. And the the implication here is very clear that Peter was to be executed within a couple days. 
He had the power to do that. And the other problem is that the church is weak. Peter was sleeping. He didn't really wake up until he was outside the prison. He walked as if in a trance. The, the angel told him, put your clothes on, put your sandals on, get your outer garment, and we have to go. And he's walking along, but not really aware of what's going on. It's sort of weird because he's walking past these guards who aren't doing anything. And then just like the opening of Get Smart, if you're old enough to remember, the, the doors open in front of him and he can walk right through. But he doesn't even realize what's going on until the angel leaves. Peter is not quick to pick up on the miracle that is happening. And neither is the church gathered praying for Peter's release. Poor Rhoda goes to the outer door. Peter's knocking. She hears his voice and she said, he's outside, he's outside. And the people say, no, he can't be. You're wrong. There's something really wrong with you. And she insists. So finally they go and there is Peter at the door. Rhoda wasn't bright enough to open the door to let him in. The people weren't bright enough or weren't aware enough of God's power to admit that he could indeed be standing at the door. So we have a problem, folks. If the government or the, the ways of the world are so powerful and we are so weak and sometimes slow to pick up on what's going on, what are we to do? Well, in this passage, we see very clearly what we are to do. We are to trust God. God is always at work. God is always moving through the church and sometimes in spite of the church to accomplish his purposes. God rescues Peter. Peter didn't, didn't do anything except follow when God, God's angel led him. God is powerful even when we can't see it against the powers and principalities of this world that threaten to undo us. He doesn't always act. We celebrate Peter's deliverance while mourning the fact that James was killed. And Peter had many more years to serve God and spread the word of God, but then he was killed as well. It doesn't always work the way we hope, but God is always at work. And part of understanding how to serve God is to be humble before God and God's plans and purposes, even when they don't go our way, but to still believe that God is at work. And God had had enough of Herod. Now, this is the third Herod you might know of. There was a Herod who had the infants killed when Jesus was born. That's another, that's a grandfather of this Herod. Then there was the Herod at Jesus' trial. That's another Herod. This is a third Herod, but Herod means ruler, so that's why we have the same name here. Um, and he was eaten by worms and died. Uh, Josephus gets this pretty similarly, um, saying that it, it took a couple days, but the, the disease attacked at that time, and uh, whatever those worms were, the, you know, the commentators are all about trying to figure it out, and that there was a, supposedly at that time a, a certain type of worm that would gather in your intestines and, and gather to 
You don't want to hear any more of this? <laughs> okay. Um, but the point is, God said, Herod, no more. And the, the key line of this chapter, why I had to go to the end, save one verse, is verse 24. After he was eaten by worms and died, we read, but the word of God continued to spread and flourish because God's activity will not be stopped. God will continue to do God's work. Sometimes we see it in such glorious ways that we know that he is winning the day, and other times it feels like, like when James was killed, it feels like the church is being defeated and the powers and principalities of the world are winning, but ultimately, God prevails. So, what are we to do? The first thing we are to do is to trust God. Trust God to be at work. And this means that we respond in a way that trusts that God is at work. Peter, um, when Peter was, uh, when Jesus was arrested and Peter was there and chopped off the ear of the soldier, uh, Jesus said, no. The time for that is no more. We don't need to resort to violence. The Bible says, God says, vengeance is mine. Don't you take vengeance. Jesus showed us how to be a servant leader. Jesus did not set up his agenda, his rights, what he thought he needed, and say, everybody has to do it my way. Everybody has to listen to me. He said, I serve. And in, in serving, I bring people to see that service is the way to demonstrate God's love and God's grace and God's kingdom. Not being vindictive, not being cruel, not being hateful. And as we struggle in this place of, of honoring our government, but not letting it have the ultimate authority, knowing that God is in control, our primary allegiance must be to God. So do not let any government official lead you into being hateful, lead you being, into being rude or unkind or having unkind thoughts toward any group. That is not the way of God. Second thing, trust God first. Pray. Keep praying. It says, one commentator said, prayer is the only power the powerless possess. And when we look at some of the situations in our world today, it, we feel, I feel very powerless. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to respond. I don't know how to bring hope. And maybe that's a good thing, because when we are brought to the end of ourselves, we finally realize the only answer is to pray. So we lift up to God our prayers and expect him to answer. Don't be like that church that was praying for something, and then when it happened, they couldn't believe it was happening. Trust God to be at work all the time. And finally, trust God, pray, and gather. 
And what I mean by that is, Rhoda goes to the door, fails to open the door. She goes back to the others who fail to believe her. If it were only Rhoda, the door would have been left unopened. If it were only the people gathered, they would never have believed Peter was there. But with Rhoda's witness to them that Peter was indeed there, and with their witness to her that when someone's at the door, you open it, together they were allowed, they were enabled to welcome Peter in and hear the miraculous story of what happened to him. This being the church thing, this being God's son or daughter thing, is never meant to be a solitary endeavor. We must find other believers that we can pray with, that we can talk with, that we can gain various perspectives from and allow the Holy Spirit to draw us together closer to him. Trust God. Be faithful in prayer. Be faithful to gather together with others who know God. And ultimately, the day will come when any allegiance to anything but God will be shown for the foolishness that it is. Put your hope in God and God alone and know that God is good and that God will bring his eternal reign one day. In the meantime, we remain faithful. All are invited, all who are in Christ are invited to this table to partake in the Lord's Supper, to experience by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit the equipping of God in our lives, the strengthening of our own hearts, of our own wills, of our own bodies to serve God. So I encourage all to partake, all who know that you are in Christ. And we'll be um, administering the sacrament uh, through the pews this morning, so the plates will be passed. I encourage you, uh, as, the, as you pass the bread, to say to the person next to you, this is the body of Christ, because it is together that we are the body of Christ, and we each witness to each other. And when the cup is passed, say to the person to whom you're passing it, this is the blood of Christ, as we witness to each other what Jesus Christ has done for us. Let us pray. God of grace, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your kingdom. And we pray that you would make us ever more faithful to your kingdom, ever more faithful to your word, that all the allegiances that we overcommit to, you will show us and help us to turn, to turn toward you. Lord, there are those here today who are struggling with 
many things. I pray because we believe in the power of prayer. I pray for each of those situations. I pray that you would bring healing. I pray that you would bring wisdom. I pray that you would bring strength. And I pray that through our prayers we would see you act in such a way that it is undeniable that you are at work answering our prayers, working among us your plans and purposes. We pray that you would guide us to deeper sense of the power of prayer, that we wouldn't put it aside but would hold this gift so close by lifting up everything to you. Lord, I pray that you would take this bread and make it be for us the body of Christ, strengthening us to be your body in the world. And I pray that you take this cup and make it be for us the blood of Christ, coursing through our veins with the new life that is ours in him. And we know that this is possible by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, inhabit this table, inhabit our lives, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.